few Sundays where we try and address some of the real tough questions that you might get from your friends outside of church. Who's had some really tough questions that you thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to answer that? You know, you get them, don't you? You get them at work, you get them at school, you get them everywhere. And, you know, we live in an age where you can go online and find incredible answers to questions. And I want to encourage you to do that. There's a guy called Ravi Zacharias, for example. And if you haven't heard of him, you need to now take that on board and go listen to him because he picks up the tough, tough questions, goes to universities, talks to um, atheists and all sorts of people, and he answers the tough questions. But today what we want to do is Janine's going to take us through how do you prepare yourself to answer those questions. So we're not going to get into all those questions, but how do you prepare yourself to answer those questions? If you don't know, Janine has a job where, Janine, you teach at St. Oren's, and Janine teaches Christianity, basically. Um, you might think that's easy, but most of the people you teach are not Christians. And many of them are actually very anti-Christian stuff. And Janine gets all sorts of questions, and I'll leave her to explain what that is. But, you know, our discussion around the dinner table with Harry and Bella often is, my goodness, how did you answer that question? <laughs> and I, I think my job's a lot easier. So I'm going to leave it to you after I pray. But, you know, one thing that Ravi says... I hope I'm not stealing your thunder on this, but you can repeat it. As he says, when someone has a really hard question, you have to remember that you're answering the questioner, not the question. In other words, there's something behind that question. Yes, address the question, but you remember Jesus, when Nicodemus came and asked this question, and Jesus had completely ignored the question and said, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. The questioner was coming because he really had an inside question that he didn't know how to put out there. And so we've got to remember that we address people as well as the question. And with that, Janine, I'm going to just pray for you and then ask you to share with us. Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. It is living. It is active. We read that so many times, but how true that is. And in your word, Lord, we find truth. We find life. So, Lord, speak to us this morning. Don't let us just be people who listen, but help us be people who take it on board and say, how am I going to change? Impact our hearts today, Lord, as well as our minds. And bless Janine. Speak through her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. I was standing over there praying, and I look up, and there's this person. I think it might have been you, the back of your T-shirt. Break bread, not promises. I thought, isn't that an awesome Christian T-shirt? <laughs> So cool. It's amazing what you see when you pray. <laughs> hey, um, I'm, I'm really nervous about today. Yes, I get up every week and I, and I teach children, but you guys are a little bigger than the children that I teach. I teach kids from 10 years old to 18-year-olds, and every, child, every girl at St. Oren's has to take Christian studies, and so that is my responsibility. I see... Um, over 200 kids per week. They have Christian studies for one hour a week, and I am it. I work alongside the chaplain who teaches some of the children. We work together. We have a wonderful time um, just sharing God's love, and it's just such a privilege. Uh, in First Peter, we read, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a, oh, sorry, let me start again. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. 
Beautiful, isn't it? You know, um, several years ago, several years ago, I didn't even know what apologetics was. My sister-in-law Nikki said to me, "Oh, I think I might do a study on apologetics," and I was like, "Ah, oh, okay, that's lovely. Have no idea what you're going to be doing." And it's funny how God threw me then into a job that was all about apologetics. Apologetics is sort of a branch of theology concerned with giving a defense for the proof of Christianity, having a reasoned argument for the hope that we have in Jesus. And when I read you that verse, and to give a reason, some versions say a defense. Um, It comes from the Greek word apologia, uh, which is used eight times in the New Testament. It can be broken down into two parts, a pol, which means from, and logia, which means word or thought. The word logic is derived from logia. So we are to defend reasonably the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's what we are called to do, to go out and to reason. So yeah, I have a job where those reasons come, uh, those uh, questions come in thick and fast. And I think God sometimes has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Because I never thought I would be that person who would share my faith quite like that. Rewind 24 years ago. As a young 18-year-old, I came to Wellington. I'd grown up in a Christian family, but, uh, but faith was very personal and it wasn't shared overtly. And so I came down to Wellington. I sat in a... Um, home group with Simon and Joe. It's amazing that I've been running home groups for years and years and years. And I remember recommitting my life to Jesus, having this new new passion for the Lord and thinking, all right, the Great Commission, go out and share your faith. Excellent. I can do this. I love Jesus. I love what he's done for me and I am going to do this. And I think that's what we feel sometimes. Eh? We, we read that Great Commission that Jesus um, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Brilliant. I can do that. So I looked around me and thought, Great. Who is my first victim? Who am I going to go and share the gospel with? I had this lovely friend, um, Kim, who I was at training college with. And so I thought, Excellent. I'm going to share my faith with this girl. And I remember the bus trip from Karori, uh, from the city to Karori. I was at Teachers Training College. And I started sharing with her about Jesus and the love that he had for her and how Jesus had transformed my life. And she turned around and she said to me, she said, Janine, over the summer there was that girl in our class and I, I knew who she was talking about. And this girl had been raped. And she said, Janine, why would a loving God allow that girl to be raped? Hmm. Suddenly sharing my faith wasn't as easy as what I thought. And I thought, I don't know. I don't know why a loving God would allow that to happen. That's a hard question to answer. And, you know, probably from that point, I thought sharing your faith isn't quite as easy as I first imagined. I suddenly thought, well, maybe it's just a job for pastors Maybe it's just a job for people um, who are called evangelists to go and share my faith. That definitely is not my calling. I don't have the answer for that question. And so my faith became, once again, a very personal thing. There was lots of people out there. I would support them. I would pray for them who wanted to share their faith. But that wasn't me anymore. I am never going to share my faith again, I thought. It's too hard. 
Well, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Because fast forward 20 years and he gives me a job where I have to share my faith. God loves the nevers in our life, doesn't he? He loves it when we say, I'm never going to do that. And he says, by my strength, in my power, I can allow you to do that. And so here was me, a little shy girl, um, suddenly being given this job where I had to share my faith. I had to search out. I had to find answers for some of these tough questions. Some of the questions that I face, I, I compiled a list of them, and I have read them out. And some of the, I'm sorry if some of these stories you've heard already, because I have shared a little bit um, about what goes on um, at school. I know there's a lot of new faces here. So I just want to share some of those ones that, that God has really taught me through, really touched me, really how he has prepared me to share my faith with other people. How can a loving God send people to hell? How can God be both loving and just? Why does God hate gay people? That is a big question I often get asked. Um, how does the Bible and science fit together? How is Jesus God? What is the Trinity? How, why can't I see God or hear from him? How did Jesus rise from the dead? Who made God? Where did the Bible come from? Who wrote the Bible? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is the purpose of my life? Whew, these are big questions, right? Can you sit there and think, I've got answers? Are you sitting there thinking if someone came up to me right now, you could answer those questions? Tough, eh? Really, really tough. Well, uh, um, in First Peter, we do read that lovely verse that says that we are to be prepared to give an answer to everyone. But often we always start there, always be prepared. But there's a bit at the beginning of that verse that we often leave out. And let me read it to you. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everybody who asks for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. But in your hearts, that's where it starts, doesn't it? In our hearts. What are our hearts like for the Lord? How can we go out and be prepared and have an answer in our hearts if our hearts aren't right before Christ? Revere means to have a deep respect, to have an admiration of, to hold in the highest regard, to set apart, to admire, to cherish, to value, to treasure. Is that where the Lord is in your heart? Ian McCormack talked about it the other day, isn't, didn't he? He talked about your first love. He talked about what captured your heart. Does Christ capture your heart? Because how can you go out and share? How can you go out and have a reason for the faith that you have if he's not one, number one, if he's not revered in your heart? I love it how this Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, puts it. If we revere or sanctify the Lord in our hearts, uh, in our hearts, when we sincerely and fervently adore him, when our thoughts of him are awe-filled, when we rely upon his power, trust in his faithfulness, submit to his wisdom, imitate his holiness, and give the glory due his most illustrious perfections. Isn't that beautiful? Let me read it again. We revere or sanctify the Lord in our hearts when we, with sincerity, adore him, when our thoughts of him are all filled and when we rely upon his power, we trust in his faithfulness, we submit to his wisdom, when we imitate his holiness and give the glory due 
his most illustrious perfections. Mm, first challenge, what's your heart like? Are you revering him in your heart? Because that's where it all starts, eh? Mm. I've got three little pointers that I want to touch on. And these are just, gosh, I'm no scholar. Believe me, I stand up here, I am no scholar. But these are three little things that the Lord has taught me from having to share my faith. Um, and I thank the Lord for my job, and he really did give it to me, and I tried to give it away, but he had other plans. <laughs> uh, and as much as I tried to run away, a bit like Moses, the Lord said, no, you, you have got to do this job. So the first thing I want to touch on is, do you know the word? Do you know the word? How can we share the hope that we have if we don't know the word? Jesus is the word of God. The word become flesh. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Man, the word of God is powerful. Hmm. The word of God is powerful. In Second uh, Timothy, um, I love what Paul encouraged Timothy with. He said, even from infancy, Timothy, even from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Do you guys know the word of God? Are you in the word of God? Are you daily in the word of God? Even from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, excellent, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his, in, in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared, people, be prepared, in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Do we know the Word of God? Is it in our hearts? Hmm. Paul was a wonderful example, wasn't he? He had this incredible conversion, and then he was straight into it. He knew what God wanted for his life. He knew that his mission was to go out and share Jesus. He lived out the Great Commission. And in Acts 17, we read this beautiful part of his life where he is just popping from church to church to church. I'm sure it was taking longer than that, but we kind of read it like this. We pop in and out of his life, don't we? And in Thessalonica, it says, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Paul knew the Word of God. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. In Berea, he preached the word of God. In Athens, greatly distressed at a city full of idols, he reasoned with them and preached about the good news of Jesus and the resurrection. In Corinth, he reasoned with them, we read, trying to persuade them. In Ephesus, he spoke boldly, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. He knew the word of God. It was in him. It overflowed from him. He used it, and God used him mightily. I love um, Charles Spurgeon's take on it. He, said, he says, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself. <laughs> 
That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Sometimes we just carry it around so personally, this word, and we might have a little seed, and we might just, I'll just put it there and see what God wants us, wants to do with his word. But oh no, Jesus wants us to sow his word generously, doesn't it? We often read the story of the parable of the sower, and we want to be generous spreaders of the word of God, both to believers and non-believers. How generous are you in sharing the word of God? I have wonderful friends who will often text me scriptures. Do you do that with your friends? Do people text you scriptures? Do they encourage you from the word of God? We all need it. Leadership needs it. People need it. Everybody needs to be encouraged from the word of God. Yeah, so do it. Get into the word of God. Know the word of God. Be generous. Be generous with the word of God. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes, and I, I, I guess I thought this, and I love how Paul puts it. He's so raw, isn't he? And he's so real. And he says um, in Corinthians, I come to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling, that my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Sometimes we think we have to know it all, don't we? I have certainly thought that over the years. I, I can't share because I don't know it all. But... So my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Be generous with his word. Be generous in what you sow and leave it to God's power. It's not with your words. It's not by my might. It's not by my strength, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. Beautiful, eh? Know his word. Pray in the Spirit. Pray for opportunities. Do you pray for opportunities? If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That was my prayer for this year. I started um, school a couple of Mondays ago, and I sat down, and I, and I prayed that before I went out. I wrote that down. I said, 2018, Lord, this is my prayer. May I go out and speak as if speaking the very words of God. I got to school, and we sat around in the staff room. We had a couple of teacher-only days. And I sat next to a teacher. We were just discussing what the special character of our school looked like. And we'd had a Presbyterian minister come in and talk about the Presbyterian church. And I sat next to this teacher. And we were discussing what, what the special character might look like. And she turned around and she said to me, Janine, what do you teach the kids? Okay, that's easy, I thought. So I told her all about what I teach the children. It's not really a question I get asked much by the teachers at school. I sort of sometimes feel that they want to avoid talking about what I might do. A lot of the teachers at school aren't Christians. They don't have a faith. And this um, lady certainly didn't. And she said to me, but not all the girls enjoy your subject, do they? Okay, fair enough. Maybe they don't. I hope they do. I hope I'm kind. I hope I'm nice. I hope I make it fun. But... They mightn't always enjoy what I, I, I'm talking about. I don't know. <laughs> and then she said to me, do you tell them that they can't have sex before they get married? Oh, I said, no, 
I don't teach sex education. I said, I think they do that in health and PE. She said, I know that. She said, but do you tell them that they can't have sex before they get married? I said, well, no, I don't. I don't tell them that. Funny, that topic hasn't really came up. She said, because I had Christian education growing up, I went to a Catholic school, and all they did was sit around and tell me that, and I could sense the bitterness there, the rules, the religion, the regulations. Yeah, and then she turned around and she said to me, but Janine, you don't have all the answers, do you? And I said, hmm, I don't have all the answers. You're right, I don't. She said, well, what do you tell them? What do you do if you don't have all the answers? And I said, well, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of one time when I didn't have all the answers. I said that there was this little girl in my class and her little cousin of five years old had passed away. She'd had a stroke at Starship Hospital. She had recovered and gone back to Tauranga. And then overnight, she'd just passed away. And this little girl sat in my class, this 13-year-old girl. One day, she put up her hand said, yes. She said, Mrs. Reese Thomas, was that God's will for my cousin's life? Whew. Was that God's will for my cousin's life to be taken at five years old? I don't have an answer. I said to the class, well, class, what do you think? Any ideas? What would you say? A couple of um, kids gave an answer, and then one wee girl put up her hand, and I thought, oof, this could be interesting. Because you see, this little girl had lost her father. The beginning of that year, you might have read about the story, he was out doing geocaching, I think, in New Plymouth. Tanker had come around the corner, rolled on his car, he was killed instantly. He was a father of five children, and one of those girls sat in my class. Beautiful Christian girl, had lost her father, and she puts up her hand. And I say, yes, had it, you know, what, what would you like to share? And she said, well, my mum says life is like a tapestry. She says, we see all the knots. We see all the bits and the strings and the, the bits on the backside. But God, he sees the other side. He sees the beauty of the tapestry he's creating. Whew. How could I have answered that? I couldn't have answered that. But God used that girl and her brokenness to share this beautiful picture of what God was doing in her life. And I thought, wow, praise the Lord. And so as I shared this story with this teacher, she sat there and she looked at me and she said, I can't believe you're telling me this. I've got goosebumps. Look at me. I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. I can't believe what you're saying to me. And I was thinking, man, it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. It is God talking to you. And at that moment, we were called back and we had another activity to do. And so I didn't get to carry on that conversation. God had left it right there. Well, I went to the chaplain and I said to the chaplain, I just had this really interesting conversation with this other teacher and I told her about it. And she said, Janine, she said that teacher had lost her mother in a car accident. And I thought, wow, doesn't God speak? Was I not speaking the very words of God into her life? Was that child who lost her father not speaking the very words of God into her life? We have to pray we have to pray that God would use us to speak light in life. And I sat there and I praised God and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah. 
We read in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being thankful, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. In Ephesians, we read, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Are we praying for each other? Are we praying for ourselves? But are we praying for each other as a church as we go out? Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin. We read about this in Acts chapter 4. They'd been proclaiming that salvation was found in no one else, for that there was no other name under heaven given to mankind by which they must be saved. They'd gone out and they were preaching it. And then it says, on their release, they went back to their own people and they raised their voices together in prayer to God and they prayed and asked God to enable them to speak God's words with great boldness. They knew what it was to go back and pray together. They knew what it was to raise their voices together in prayer for each other. We are all on a mission field. We should all be going out and sharing. But you know what? We need to pray together. Are we praying together? Do we lift our voices together? Do we pray for souls? I love it. I love that song that says, break my heart for what breaks yours, God. Do we really mean that when we sing it? Oh, that we would see people saved, people in the kingdom of God be devoted to prayer. You know, you've got this perfect opportunity in um, two weeks' time, one week time, Prayer Sunday, 18th of February, 2 p.m. at Joe and Eric's place. This is my little invitation mid-sermon. Come along and pray. <laughs> we are going to start this. They're going to sort of roughly be every four to six weeks. Um, prayer Sundays. And we're going to gather together. We're going to start at 2 p.m. There is no finish time. We're not going to put a finish time on God because we don't know what God wants to do with us. But we want to gather together and pray we want to pray for each other. So please come along next Sunday, 2 p.m. Come with a heart, ready. Who knows what the Lord is going to do? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we need, to, we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for opportunities. We need to pray for wisdom, don't we? We need to pray that God will give us wisdom because we don't all have the answers. We really don't. Uh, it says in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Brilliant. That sounds easy. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. Um, James 3.17, but the wisdom that comes from, uh, from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Let's pray for wisdom. I often pray for wisdom. I often have to say, you know what, I don't have the answers, and I got challenged. And I shared this um, last year, so forgive me um, if you've heard this story before. But I got um, challenged as we were looking at uh, Easter time um, about Jesus, and we had looked back on the Israelite story and how that is sort of such a picture of salvation. And I got challenged on the fact that is God a murderer? 
Is God a murderer? Murder's a sin. So is God a murderer? There's a lot of people that die in the Old Testament. Hmm, what do you do with that? I was stumped. How do I go back and teach these kids? And how? what do I do? And I pondered it. And I asked people. And I thought, how am I going to go back and share with these children and answer this question? Is God a murderer? Hmm, pray. And that I did. I prayed that God would give me wisdom. And I was sitting in the car. And I prayed often about it. And still had no idea. And I had put it off. I'd put off answering this question for about three months. Three months. It's not a very good teacher, is it? (laughs) Anyway, I was sitting in traffic going into the terrace tunnel. And I was um, stuck there. And I was just praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, how do I answer this question? I do have so many questions. I don't understand. I don't understand the viciousness of some of the things that we read in the Old Testament. It's in there, and I kind of, let's just flick over it, let's get to the New Testament, it's all lovely, and, and off we go, and let's just live in that. But the Old Testament still sits there, and how do I address this? And so I prayed, and in that moment, I looked up, and in front of me was this dirty old dump truck. And it was um, had a big trailer on the back that folded down that they could let all the dirt out of. And it was up, and there was a couple of metal pieces welded onto it. And as the sun shone through these pieces, these welded-on pieces, it cast a shadow, and in the middle of the shadow was a perfect white cross. And the Lord said to me, Janine, you have to answer the question in light of the cross. You have to go back and answer it through Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I took all my lessons around Moses, and I chucked them out, and I recreated them in light of the gospel story. I brought Christ Jesus into it. I prayed for wisdom. The Lord gave me wisdom. And what great success I had with that, with that whole lesson across all of my year eight classes. It was awesome. Pray for wisdom. Do you pray for wisdom? Because he'll honor that. He will teach you. He will show you. Final point. Oh, goodness. Live a life worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy, worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus. Yeah. In that same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify Christ. We can do so much witnessing in our lives by just the way we live them, can't we? Yeah. People are watching. People are watching. There's some pretty, pretty cool verses that are pretty challenging throughout um, the New Testament, aren't they, about how we should live? Do everything without grumbling or arguing, arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Sometimes I think our light is a little dim in this dark generation. Yeah, we need to shine brightly for Jesus. Does your life reflect Jesus? Are you an imitator of Christ? Do we love others as Christ has loved us? Love must be sincere. Hate. What is evil? Hate, what is evil? How often do we sort of compromise. Oh, it's okay. I'm forgiven. I can just go back to the Lord and pray and he forgives me. No. 
hate what is evil. I think so often we sort of uh, try and weigh it up, don't we? But really in our hearts we know. We know right from wrong. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Beautiful, eh? Are we living that out? Are we imitators of Christ? Mark talked about it the other day, didn't he? Are you a Sunday singer and a Monday swearer? (laughs) You know, we come here, we've got to go out and we've got to live it all week. Let's just not come here on a Sunday and be one person and then somebody else for the rest of the week. Display the fruit of the Spirit. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, the love that you have one for another. Do people see that? Could people say that about your life? Mm. Do you display the fruit of the Spirit? People are watching. There's a whole lot to be said for the way that you live and the gospel that they see lived out just in your everyday life with the way you treat the shop assistant. Do you honour that person? Or are they just there to serve you? The waitress? Do you honour your parents? Do you honour your friends, your teachers? How do you speak to them? How do you speak to people who irk you, who annoy you, who haven't done what you have expected or wanted of them? Are you quick to get angry with them? What do you show grace and love? Are you an imitator of Christ Jesus? Mm. So revere Christ. Number one, revere Christ. Love him with all your heart. Number two, be prepared. Be prepared. Know the word of God, sow the word of God. Pray. Be on your knees before him and live a life that reflects the gospel. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. We were going to get on to some, um, looking at some actual questions, but I think we're going to do that in the coming weeks. And I think maybe Sam might be touching on some tough questions next week, aren't you? Or something like that. Yeah. So um, thank you for listening. Just a few of my thoughts pulled together of what I have found has worked in my reliance on the Lord for the, for the job he has given me. Um, anyway, yeah, so hopefully you can take something from that.